What's up, everybody? My name is Wesley Shoemaker, host of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast, joined by the one and only Aaron Parker on this happy Wednesday, August 17th. Uh, We are two weeks and a day away from the beginning of the West Virginia football season, meaning we are kind of trending towards the end of fall camp. A lot to talk about today. We're going to run through who we think is going to make an impact on this team, who we think's uh, most important ranking kind of our biggest X factors is kind of as well as just giving a camp update in general. For those who are not aware, today is the first day of classes for WVU, meaning there will be no practice today, no scheduled practice. Um, West Virginia wraps up their fall camp portion of things this Friday, uh, and then kind of, I believe, get into game mode basically. I think they're the plan is, I believe, according to head coach Neil Brown, scrimmage. Uh, next Thursday as well as tomorrow on the 18th and then kind of move on from there and then you then you get into game planning for Pitt and then into Pitt's game week. So Aaron, uh, how you doing? And just kind of one big thing that you've heard that you've wanted to talk about uh, regarding fall camp. I've done well. I'm doing good. And, you know, uh, first day of, of classes here in the fall semester. So it's time to get back in the swing of things. Um, you know, so I'm excited for that. As far as fall camp, what I've heard of, um, just watching Neil Brown's interview from a, a couple of days ago, I like what he mentioned about um, wanting to do stuff different because, you know, last year the Mountaineers started with um, a big game to start the season. They lost and they went out there and they were flat on defense, bad decisions on offense. And Neil Brown really talked about doing fall camp differently and going back to the drawing board. And that's kind of what he talked about. And I kind of like that. Um, obviously, if you don't go out and play against Pitt, that turns into empty words. So hopefully the staff, you know, made some changes um, for the fall camp going into uh, game one because it's a big rivalry game. Yeah, what I've been impressed with and what kind of stood out to me from the beginning is just how more prepared this team seemed in general. They talked about how there was a lot of team activities throughout the summer, how guys kind of relatively knew what they had to do and so installations didn't take as long you weren't starting from square one and I think that's a good sign heading into September obviously the last 17 days that we that they've been going at this a lot has probably changed and they've started to do more and more things kind of see who will be on the field week one and beyond but I was impressed by uh, coach Brown saying that they had a lot of guys participating over the summer and it seemed a good sign for a team who went six and seven last year and has a lot of expectations heading into year four under coach Brown. Yeah, it sure seems like this is more of a tight knit group. Obviously, you know, as an outsider, it's hard to really see that in other relationships, but you know, you get on social media and, you know, they have a lot of team activities, you know, going to the pool together and stuff. It looks like the guys are kind of bought in. I, I hope that's the case, you know, because, Obviously, we didn't know, you know, the relationships last year, but there was a lot of people that, you know, dipped when things got hard and portal in the middle of the season, portal as soon as the season ended, this, that, and the other. So hopefully we don't have another year of that because, you know, it gets tiring after a while. Yeah, kind of just looking ahead. So we got 15 days until West Virginia kicks off against Pitt. Seems like an eternity, but also it will go by in the blink of an eye. So until then, uh, as far as West Virginia is concerned, obviously fall camp ends this week, and then they kind of break camp in a sense. It's not like your traditional NFL breaking camp where they have to slim a roster size down. They kind of just know who they're going to usually redshirt, know who they're going to go into the season with, uh, 
and things of that nature. My biggest concern, uh, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Aaron. My biggest concern is the sloppiness of play and the undisciplined nature of play that we kind of saw from this team last year. I'd say penalties, especially early, special teams early against Maryland, things like that. I'd say they were a problem earlier in the season, especially in that game one against Maryland. And truth be told, Pitt's going to be a much better team than Maryland, I truly believe. Uh, Pitt's ranked number 17 in the preseason AP poll for whatever that is worth. It's preseason poll from a bunch of writers and they're a team with a new quarterback. So a lot of things can change, obviously. But the point being is that you can't go and expect to win in two weeks if you're having these penalties. And uh, Coach Brown talked about how after their first scrimmage, he wasn't really happy with how guys were finishing, with how things were going. And during practice, he said too many guys were on the ground. And I just feel like if you're undisciplined in practice in August, it's not a good sign for you to be disciplined come September 1st. Yeah, I think that's something definitely to be, um, you know, maybe not concerned about, but, you know, raise a question, you know, because over the past couple of years, there have been undisciplined penalties throughout the season, early in the season, middle of the season, Big 12 play. It gets frustrating. And um, fourth-year head coach, you know, Neil Brown, he's, you know, he's got to clean that up. Uh, obviously, it's hard, but, you know, he oversees it all. And, you know, you got to play clean football. You're playing a pit team on the road that's, you know, they're number 17 in the country preseason. So, you know, I think I think that's fair to think of that. And I, like you, I've, I've heard some of the things about, you know, practice, people kind of, you know, jogging in between drills that I think, I think Neil's gone off on him a couple of times, and I don't think he wants to see that again this year. Yeah, I think there's a, also, on the flip side of that, I think there is a focus and a new energy from that starts with the coaches. I think just listening to the different coaches speak to the media, they all seem to have this enthusiasm that I don't think was always there. And, excuse me, yes, there is a lot of question marks, especially on that defense, and there's a lot of, Oh, they can be good, but I think there's a kind of sense but among the coaches that th- this team is going to continue to get better and grow throughout the year. I agree. And, you know, you got your guys that on this team you can kind of bank on, um, assuming they don't get injured. And obviously some of those guys are going to be, you know, Jer- um, Don- Dante Stills, Tony Mathis, you know, guys like that. Taj Austin's been in school for four or five years. So guys like that, you can kind of bank on. But like as far as the defense goes, you know, you want to look for guys that, you know, got some tackles last year, but really didn't, you know, rack up the stats. Maybe younger guys, Sean Martin, you know, they're going to be looking for for him. Linnell Carr, guys like that, that that made a couple tackles here and there last year, but are going to have to step up and make more than just a couple tackles. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that that's kind of the the biggest question mark with a lot of teams is will your youth step up and will they – do what they have to do, and we're kind of just waiting and seeing if West Virginia will have that this year. Kind of pivoting now uh, to what we're going to talk about next is talking about X-Factors. Aaron and I both ranked who our top 10 X-Factors on this team are. Just kind of going through them and talking about who we think is going to have an impact, why they'll have this impact, and kind of how it relates to the team and the possibility of team success so Aaron you want to start with your 10 or do you want me to start with mine my, my you, can, you can start so my number 10 is going to be Dante Stills Dante is obviously the 
leader of this defense. He's the guy. Everyone knows he's the guy down the road, and he's from down the road in Fairmont. Um, his brother played here. He's He's got the swagger. He's got the mindset. It's just a matter if he can do it. Uh, 47 games in his career, 19 sacks, 43 and a half tackles for a loss. Last year he had seven sacks. The play speaks for itself, but I just feel like he's got to continue to be that disruptor. Uh, a defensive line that is going to have to make some noise. He's the leader of that defensive line and the leader of that defense. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna there's gonna be some pressure on his shoulders with a young secondary. He's gonna have to be able to help his guys get to the quarterback and create chaos up front if they're gonna want to have success and not let guys sit back in the pocket, uh, scramble, get outside because then things could get a little bit dicey for the secondary. I agree with that. Um, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And, you know, the defense is good. Um, but um, what else you got on your list? Uh, number nine for me is Bryce Ford Wheaton. Um, I just think that obviously he's your wide receiver one heading into this year. Um, he and But he's got to be a wide receiver one. Last year, second on the team in catches and yards. Um He's just he's just got to be that dude. You lose uh, Isaiah Esdale, you lost uh, Winston Wright. Like you lost these guys who had a lot of production on this on this offense last year, and you're going to have a quarterback that's probably going to throw the ball a lot more than you're used to. You have a new offensive system that's going to you're going to use a lot more. So I just think that Bryce Ford Wheaton, he's got to be that guy. He's got to command that attention. He's got to help his other receivers out by commanding the attention of your top defensive secondary players on opposing teams, especially in the Big 12, when you have these top defenses like in Oklahoma State last year, that if he takes if they take Bryce Forbidden out the game, Bryce has got to be able to take them out the game too and cancel them out and help his other receivers make some magic on the outside. I agree with what you said. I'm talking about Bryce Ford Wheaton, like on my list, I've got him, I've got him and Sam James like up in the top five of my list of X X factors. These guys have been here since, you know, I know Sam James has been here since Will Greer and David Sills were here. Bryce Ford Wheaton, like when you get down on the field, he looks like an NFL receiver's body. Um, you know, these guys are experienced and you got guys behind them like Caden Prather, who's only played a year here. I got Prather down on the bottom of my um, of my list because I think he is going to be an X-Factor. I think he's going to step up. But when you're talking about Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, you need consistency there. I remember not really last year, but the year before the 2020 season, he really struggled with drops. You've seen your share of drops with Sam James. So um, as they enter their, what, redshirt junior season, redshirt senior season, they need to step up and be big because they got JT Daniels thrown to him. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't put any other receivers on my list just because I think that it's kind of more going to be receiver by committee. Uh, once you get past Bryce Ford, I think Bryce Ford's obviously your wide receiver one, and he's got to—he has to be that leader in that room. He has to take control. He has to—he has to do what he would do. What guys like him do, he's got to—he's got to be the man. And in an offense that's going to throw the ball a lot more, that has a much improved quarterback, that a quarterback that can make a lot more throws, he's got to go and use his size, use his speed, and make plays. And that's why I have him on my list. As for Caden Prather, like the talent's there. There's no question about that. It's just whether if everything's like everything's going for him and if he understands and if he's caught up to speed. Second year, things should move slower. He he played well down the stretch of last year when he got in games, such as I believe it was like Kansas State played really well, things of that nature. He's just got to improve upon that. And Sam James, obviously he's matured 
really good things I've heard from new wide receiver coach Tony Washington. Uh, really good things about Sam. Said he's had a really good fall camp, and that's all you can hope for with him. So just kind of progressing, progressing, progressing with everyone in that room, and hopefully they all continue to progress by week one and make an impact. Yeah, that's good. It seems like those guys have bought into you know Tony Washington. I think he's had um, a good impact on them with his experience at the wide receiver position. Kind of pivoting a little bit, but staying on offense. Like on mine, I got I got Tony Mathis towards the bottom of my list, but like he's still top ten for me because I think we all know he's going to win that starting job. He's going to be that number one back. Um, so he's got to step up, and you know I'm not saying he's got to be Letty Brown, but he needs to make a jump. And we saw that jump start to happen towards the end of last season with his performance against Kansas and uh, Minnesota in the bowl game. Um, so I got him, but then also like new running backs I have up there in the middle, um, either Jalen Anderson or Justin Johnson. I know Johnson played last year, but, you know, in a big 12, you know, in a long game against a good defense, um, you know, you're going to have to have more than Tony Mathis out there. Yeah. I got Tony Mathis number five on my list. I just think that Lenny Brown's shoes are big, to, are, are big shoes to fill. And I think that this team knows they want to run the ball. And obviously your running back's going to have to run the ball effectively if you're going to want to be good. Tony Mathis kind of kind of started to come on. He had that start in the guaranteed rate bowl against Minnesota, 56 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's played in 21 games in his career. So obviously his lone start was last season against Minnesota in that bowl game. But I think he's capable. I think he he ran well against Kansas, ran, ran well against Minnesota. Uh, a offensive line that, is coming back and that is more experienced another year under their belts should help him. Uh, speaking of that offensive line, I have Zach Frazier as my number eight. Like he's that center and he's that dude. Like if you want to talk about guys on this team that are, that are him dudes that are premier, like top of the conference at their position, Zach Frazier should be top of your list. He is a guy that is just goes after people, knows what he has to do fully understands his role on his team. And according to offensive line coach Matt Moore uh, on Monday, he's really become a leader in that room. So just kind of with Tony Mathis at my number five comes Zach Frazier at my number eight. Yeah, I mean, Zach Frazier, you know, you don't want to overlook him because I don't know, when I was doing X-Factors, I was kind of maybe overthinking a little bit, trying to think of guys, maybe new guys that would step up. But when you look at Zach Frazier, I mean, he came in as a freshman and just immediately took over, immediately became one of the best line. I'm in, and honestly, the Big 12, and obviously, obviously his sophomore season proved that. So, like, right up there at the top, I think I got at three. I just put the constants, and that that means Zach Frazier. Obviously, you talked about Dante Stills on the defensive side. Guys you just know that are dogs and that are going to go out there and, you know, when the going gets tough, they're going to be in the trenches and they're going to be fighting. Um, you know, they're going to be showing that they have NFL talent. So, um, a year of them being healthy, obviously, and a year of them being consistent is right in the top three for me. Yeah, going to my – just if I keep going down my list, number seven is Jared Bartlett. And I think, for me, that was kind of an interesting pick. The bandit position in Jordan Leslie's defense is uber important. And Jared Bartlett's got to win that spot, and I, I think he will. And I think he showed flashes. It's just as we continue to talk about, it's about creating consistent play. Uh, and I think Bartlett has to prove that he can. I think – he is capable. He's been here for a while, too. Uh, so he's just got to prove that he can do that. Um, Jordan Leslie's defense has been really good the past few years. I don't expect anything different. He's a really good coach, and has, he has some pieces. And Jared Bartlett is one of those pieces. He's at my number seven. That's really fun that, funny that you say that. Bartlett is at seven for me, exactly. And Lee Cobas at six. Um, talking about Jared Bartlett, 
Um, you know, you've seen flashes from him, um, you know, listening to his interview. Uh, I think he knows what he's what he's doing here. I think he's more comfortable. I think that's what he said. He's more comfortable in this year's defense. Um, he's very explosive, but, um, you know, 3.5 sacks in the 2020 season, 3.5 sacks in the 2021 season. But when you look at it game by game, I mean, he ate up Virginia Tech, their offensive line, their quarterbacks. Three of his 3.5 sacks on the year came against Virginia Tech. So you're going to need some more spread out consistency, um, especially when you dip into Big 12 play. I think his other half sack, quote unquote, was against Kansas. So like when you're playing teams like Texas, Oklahoma, when they got the big boys up there, um, you know, he's going to have to step up and, you know, keep playing because I know he's got a lot of snaps in there. Um, you know, going up to six, we Koba, obviously he's a new guy on this team, but they talk about him like he's a veteran. Um, Neil talks about him a lot. Jordan Leslie talks about him a lot. Um, you know, he's got experience from Syracuse and Juco, and I think he's going to be a big linebacker this year. Yeah, you talk about Lee, Co- Lee Pogba. He's he's number three on my list. I think losing Josh Chandler Samito, that's a big loss. Yeah, it's not really ball. being talked about. And Lee's got to step in. He's got to fill those shoes and be even better than JCS was. And JCS was really good on this defense. Obviously, the experience is there. Two seasons at Syracuse, then East Mississippi College, Community College last year. Um he he's got true size. He's got true strength, and I think that translates well more than anything. It's just a matter of if he can kind of read everything he has to read. But by all accounts, he can, and I'm really excited to see what he has. I think this is kind of a steal for this West Virginia defense that they were able to get him uh, to come this year. So he's number three on my list just because his position of being the kind of the quarterback of the defense and kind of making sure everything's in the right way. That's just such a huge responsibility. My number six is Michael Laughlin going back to the offensive side of the ball. I feel like West Virginia has been dying to use a tight end since Trayvon Wesco in 2018 and Neil Brown coming in here in 2019. And I think they have not been able to use one. And I think Michael Laughlin's the one they want to use, but he just can't stay healthy. Um, He's number six on my list because the offense is totally different. If you have a serious pass catcher that can run after the catch, like he can at tight end. Obviously, they picked up Brian Polanday from Colorado State, I believe. Uh, he's more of a blocking tight end that's going to catch you a couple passes here and there, three yards, five yards, if you have to. But Michael Laughlin can kind of really spread this offense out, kind of give it another level, if you want to say, and another reason to worry about it, just to kind of help this offense become more versatile. I feel like last year we saw without a tight end that you could really kind of go down the field with, it's it changes things. It kind of makes you two-dimensional, run it, pass it, and rather than kind of do more creative things, I think Graham Harrell is really creative as an offensive coordinator, and he will want to use the tight end. So I think Michael Laughlin getting healthy, when he ever like when he does get healthy and to stay healthy, I think is the most important thing for him. So that's why he's number six on my list. Yeah, I put that at number nine. That's the one I skipped over on the bottom. I just put tight end group, you know, in, in general, because, you know, obviously O'Loughlin does stretch out the defense, but he just can't stay healthy. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if I get the sense that he's going to play week one. I'm not sure. They haven't come out and say it, said anything, but, um, you know, they kind of beat around the bush with that. And, you know, it's just hard for him to stay healthy. So maybe those first couple of weeks, definitely the pick game, a new guy in, in Brian Palindi. I mean, he's got to step up and if, if the ball is thrown to him, you know, he needs to make a catch every now and then. But, you know, I do get the sense as well that he's a um, he's a blocker. But, I mean, he spent time at Miami and he spent time at Colorado State behind, um, you know, the best tight end in the country there. He won the tight end award and he was – and Palindy was his backup. So, um, I think he's got 
you know, some level of experience at the college level. Now he's just got to go out there and, you know, if they ask, if they ask him to be a starter week one, then he needs to be ready. And hopefully O'Loughlin can be ready for, you know, all the other big games. Yeah, the experience is definitely there uh, for Pullen Day, and I think that helps. All the experience helps. I think he understands what Neil wants, and Neil understands what his skill set is, and I think that really helps this team. Um, as I said, number five, Tony Mathis. Number four, uh, we have not really talked about this position, but it is the most important position on the football field, and it is the quarterback position, and I have JT Daniels as my number four biggest X factor for West Virginia football this season. Let me get into JC Daniels real quick. This guy can make every throw on the football field. You've just, again, got to keep him on the football field. He has shown really good flashes in his career. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy and put those flashes together for 10, 12 games. Looking at his stats here. 21 career games, 63.8% completion percentage, uh, almost 5,000 yards, and a 2-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. That's pretty good. Started as a true freshman. Like, the talent's there. His offensive coordinator's there. It's his It's his job. Like, it's his system. It's, like, everything's set up for him. He's just got to go out, stay on the field, and make every throw possible. Um Obviously, there has not been an official starter announced. I mean, I don't know why you bring in JT Daniels and you don't have him start. I think it's more of just a they're doing this behind closed doors to try and throw smoke, but I don't think anyone's actually not seeing through the smoke. Uh, JT Daniels should be out there September 1st if he's healthy. Uh, By all signs, he should be healthy. I don't know why he wouldn't be. Uh, But yeah, JT Daniels, that's my number four biggest X factor on this team. That's my number one. Um, you know, the quarterback position is the most important on the field, like you said. And, you know, um, let's just call it how it is. The WV quarterback play over the last couple of years has been bad. And it's not been – I wanted to convince myself it was average or, you know, good enough, but it simply wasn't, you know, especially in the Big 12. Um, so to go out and get a former five-star guy like that, JT Daniels, who's proven himself to be a good quarterback at USC and at Georgia, never lost a game at Georgia – you know, he's just battled in injuries. And I think Stetson Bennett kind of gained some ground on him. Um, so now this is like his last shot. But WV needs that big quarterback. You got Nico Marcos in behind him, but he's young, um, no experience. You know, you've had Garrett Green for a while and Will Crowder still inexperienced. So I think Daniels being out there and making the throws is super important considering, you know, the backups. I don't know if I'm comfortable with them week one at Pittsburgh, um, especially the younger guys, because – um, Daniels has the experience and, you know, he can, he can win a shootout game, you know, say, say Pitt and Keon Slovis start scoring touchdowns, you know, I, I trust JT Daniels to make the throws and, and, you know, be calm in the pressure, you know, so JT Daniels is number one for me. Yeah. One more thing on JT for me, if you want to talk about calm under pressure, he's been in the SEC. Oh yeah. Um, I like that's it. They do it different there. And he's, He's been on a team that just won a national championship. So he's seen the highest of highs of atmospheres. And I just don't think there's anything that kind of scares him too much. Uh, I think he'll, I think he'll be fine against Pitt. I really do. Um, but kind of going to my number three, obviously it was Lee, Lee Fogba. Number two, Graham Harrell. 
Uh, if you want to talk about J.C. Daniels, with that comes Graham Harrell. Uh, Graham Harrell, new offensive coordinator, new play caller for this Mountaineer offense. We saw this offense kind of stall at times last year. Um, and Coach Harrell's supposed to kind of add something, and I'm hoping he adds something great because this offense has lacked spark and lacked that big play threat, I think. And there really hasn't been that you can throw the ball 30 yards down the field and make plays with this offense. And I think Graham adds something to that. He adds more of a Dana Holgerson style air raid, spread it out. Let's get the ball moving offense. Um, and he said he's going to try and get the ball in his playmaker's hands as much as possible. So expect a lot of BFW, a lot of Tony Mathis, different ways of getting them the ball. And I just think that with this, this team will kind of play move how this offense moves. The defense has proven that they can play no matter really who the competition is or who they have out there. And so I think it's just a matter of Graham and these and JT and Tony and everyone involved, like just kind of taking a, take a huge step forward, a collective step forward together and moving this offensive long. If this team wants to have success. Yeah. If they want to have success, it's going to have to move forward a lot. And, you know, I think Neil Brown realized that and, you know, that's why, that's why he pushed to get somebody. I think, you know, he kind of put his pride to the side and said, you know, I need to stop calling all the plays. Um, you know, I've got too much on my plate and I need an OC. And I think some of the fans and, and donors realize that too. And, you know, Graham Harrell, I think is the best guy you can get. Um, so, you know, he's going to be, it's going to be huge. Um, I think, I think Daniels and all the other quarterbacks slash receivers um, have bought into him. Um, I, for my list, I've, I think I've gone through four, I've gone through four through 10, just kind of mixed up. Um, I got Daniels one said the constants like Dante and, um, you know, Taj Austin and Frazier were three. Two for me um, to pivot a little bit. I got the defensive bad group slash kind of just eliminating big plays on the defense in the Big 12. You got kind of an inexperienced defensive back group here, but, um, you know, under Dante Wright, I, I think I, I believe in them. Charles Woods is really the only experienced guy out there, but Neil raves on him a lot. Jordan Leslie talks about him a lot. He seems like he knows what he's doing. He's played college football for three or four years now, so – about getting those other guys in there, like, you know, Aubrey Burks, Davis Mallinger, these young guys, you know, they got to step up. Yeah, I got Charles Woods as my number one. Um, yeah. You're not going to win games if you're giving up 28, 35 points a game. And teams in the Big 12 aren't going to run, with the exception of Texas, who was beat on Robinson. Teams in the Big 12 aren't going to run the ball like crazy. And so you've got to be able to stop these teams through the air and this secondary is so inexperienced obviously they have fcs level experience which helps with college snaps but power five football experience against top 25 teams it's not really there so charles woods he's got to stay healthy this year he's got to stay on the field and he's got to be that leader that west virginia really kind of desperately needs in that back end of that defense so that's why he's my number one x factor I agree with that. You know, I respect that he's number one. You know, he's he's big time. I think that's why um, Neil brought him along for the Big 12 Media Day. And he does have to stay healthy and stay consistent. But unfortunately, you know, he can only do so much at that one cornerback position. There's got to be other guys step up. Um, I think I, I miss some some other young guys, Wilson Lamp, and Hershey McLaurin, just guys like that. We don't really know who's going to win these jobs, but they're going to see the field, um, you know. And, you know, you, I just – the whole defensive back um, group in general, you know, they got to – they got to stand their ground. People left. Nick Troy Fortune left. Daryl Porter left. But, like, you know, 
even them, like they, they made mistakes too. I was going back and watching the Maryland game and there was a lot of big plays that the Mountaineers gave up. Daryl Porter got toasted on one play for a 60 yard touchdown, you know, and that's just the Maryland game. They, that's, they put the nail in the coffin yeah. with a big play touchdown at the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of burnt there and, you know, and that's, that's a big 10 offense. That's not even the big 12 offenses. Obviously that's the bottom of the big, yeah. that's the bottom yeah. half of the big 10 offense. Yeah. And you can go back and roll the Baylor tape if you want, but you know, fair warning, it's hard to watch. Um, so the defensive backs, the safeties, the new safeties and corners have to be big. Um, just, they just got to hold their ground just to give the offense a chance. And, you know. Yeah. I think that this team's going to go as far as kind of two things go. It's going to be how well they pass the ball and how well, they, how well they defend the pass. They've been proven that they can run the ball. They've been, they've proven that they can stop the run to an extent, not the best team at stopping the run, but They've got it. They've got to be able to stop the pass, and it starts with that secondary, and it starts with Charles Woods. Um, I think teams are going to try and try and throw the ball against this team, and so that defense they've got to get put pressure on the quarterback, put pressure up front, make him beat you, um, make him beat you up front. That's where your strong suit is on offense and on defense. Really, you got an experienced offensive line and some talent on that defensive line, so you got to make him beat you up front. So, kind of just as they go into these last week of fall camp, and then. Prayer for Pitt. That's that's what like that's the biggest thing for me is uh just kind of seeing how that is. Yeah, I agree. And and I got a lot of faith in, you know, as far as uh the upfront, you know, stopping the run, putting pressure on the quarterback. I got a lot of faith in in Dante Stills, Jared Barlett, you know, Jordan Jefferson. Um, let's see, Taj Austin, Sean Martin. I got a lot of faith in those guys. Um, not as much faith in the defensive backs, but I, they show some promise. Um, but, you know, even even the big guys I got faith in, you know, they're going to have to go up against, you know, linemen from Oklahoma, Texas, and they were guys, Oklahoma State, guys that are probably going to be in the NFL. So, you know, you got to depend on them. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they how they do that, how they adjust game to game, how they adjust week to week, and kind of if they stay healthy, how they develop uh, within the first five games of the year because that first month, it is a – it is, it is like, even though you get Towson and Kansas at home, you got a tough month. You got three road games, two rivalry games, and then you're in two conference games, one at home against Kansas and then on the road against Texas with a really good run game. And who knows, Texas could, could be good this year. No one really knows yet, but for us, that will be it for today. Uh, check back with us next week we will have a full season preview and prediction pod coming with you i'm excited for that one i know aaron is too uh if you made it this far we do appreciate you listening this is the blue gold sports podcast i'm wesley shoemaker with aaron parker and thank you for listening